who God is matters to how you live. Who God is matters to how you live. For 10 weeks, we are studying who is God. And the Bible is our guide. The Bible is our guide. Today, we look at God, the church, and the world. God, the church, and the world is the topic for our message today. Today will be very focused, and it may be a bit heavy in what I want you to see this morning from the Scriptures, but I do ask that you stay with me, stay focused, follow the logic of the Scriptures to understand three things, God's call, God's promise, and God's purpose. God's call, God's promise, and God's purpose. I'm going to read for you two different passages today because they fit the topic today. Or rather, I should say, the topic comes from these two in particular. Now, these 10 weeks, they are doctrine-focused sermons. They're focused on instruction. Instruction on what the Scriptures teach us about who God is. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Matthew 5. Verses 14 to 16. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Let us pray. Holy Spirit, we ask that you give light to shine on your word and to shine through your word that your people will understand and be equipped this morning for living this week in the world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The first thing I want you to see this morning and understand is God's call. God's call. God calls Abraham to a different life. 
He calls Abraham to a different life. In our scripture, it says Abram, but I'm going to refer to him as Abraham after his name has been changed for the duration of our sermon today. God calls Abraham to a different life, a God-appointed, God-focused, and God-trusting life. God calls Abraham to a God-appointed, a God-focused, a God-trusting life. Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 to 3, documents the salvation of Abraham. If you will allow, I like to call it, this in Genesis 12, this is where Abraham becomes a Christian, an Old Testament Christian. Well, in our passage, God, the Almighty, creator of the universe, speaks to Abraham. And what does he say? Leave your country. Leave your relatives. Leave your father's house. Go away from these. Abraham lived in a place called Ur of the Chaldeans. And God, seemingly out of nowhere, instructs him to leave. You must understand what this leaving means for Abraham to leave his father, to leave his kindred, to leave all that he has known, all that is so familiar to him. The way of life that Abraham has lived is exactly the life that he's watched his father, his grandfather, and his relatives live. He's his way of understanding how to live. He, he got that from his relatives. Years ago, my middle school teacher, named Miss Kathleen Speaks, she shared with me what Millsap Mountain looked like. Now, Millsap Mountain is where my grandmother, my mom's mother, grew up. She always told me stories about growing up on the mountain there in North Carolina. Miss Kathleen taught me what the, the mountain looked like in the 1940s and in the 1950s. She told me that there was a dirt road that went from uh, the, the, the valley down up, 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 and winding around right up onto the mountain. And she said it went straight through the community, she said, of where your relatives live. She said there were houses dotted all along the roadside, she said. She said, your great-great-grand, excuse me, your great-grandmother, Sarah Jane, her house was over there. That's where my grandmother and all my great-aunts and uncles grew up. She said, over there was your great-great-uncle Julius's house. And over there, not, not even a mile down the road, that's where your great-great-uncle Amos's house was. And over there, over there, that's where your great-great-uncle Burl's house was before they moved to town. She said there were beautiful, beautiful fruit trees and gardens all along the roadside. She said that's where they grew what they were going to eat. Well, what was the point? What was the point of her sharing that with me? She wanted me to have a mental picture of the community my relatives had 
there on that mountain all those years ago. I'd heard others talk about it, my great uncles as well, but that was their community. Abraham had community similar to this. He is surrounded by his people. This is indeed the only way of life he's ever known. This is the only country he's ever known. And God said, go, leave the known for the unknown. I would have been petrified. Leave the known for the unknown. God told Abraham that God would lead him to a land that he would show him. A land that God would show him. He's going to lead him to a different land. You all, God spoke to Abraham because God had a different path for Abraham's life. God had a life of faith, a life of faith according to the Word of God mapped out for Abraham. God spoke to Abraham because he had a different path laid out for Abraham. You all know what a path is, don't you? Something you walk on, something you follow, a, a destination. It takes you to where it is that you are going. Abraham had no idea where God is taking him, but he followed. Let me say that again. Abraham had no idea where God was taking him, but he followed. He followed. He obeyed God. He listened to God's instructions. He trusted. He rested on the Word of God. In Genesis 12 and verse 4, we read, So Abram went as the Lord had told him. And yet again here, you see capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, the covenant name of God. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. And Lot, who was his brother's son, went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left, when he departed from Haran. Abraham trusted the word of God which would become the basis of Abraham's new life. I'm sorry. This is, a, this is a little loud. I can hear it. And maybe I'm just too loud. <laughs> Abraham trusted the Word of God, which would become the basis of Abraham's new life, his new way of living and thinking, which was what? Walking according to what God says. Walking according to what God says. Walking in faith. Trusting. Trusting according to God's Word. If you never get anything else out of these ten sermons, I hope and pray you hear what I want you to hear. Is God's Word is what people need. Abraham as the first major example of someone God calls out of darkness 
into the kingdom of God. He's the first major example of God calling someone out of darkness into his kingdom. And this leads to the second thing I want you to see this morning. God's promise. God's promise. As you move further along in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3, as well as further, all the way through chapter 17 of Genesis, God makes a major promise to Abraham. In verses 2 and 3 of Genesis, we read this. God says, And I will make of you a great nation. And I, the one who set the sun in the heavens and all the constellations, the one who formed and made a perfect sphere and on it placed men and women, boys and girls. I'm going to make of you a great nation. Abraham is different at this juncture in the, in, in the Old Testament, different than any that came before him. God's going to do something special with him and with his descendants. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. God's promise to Abraham has a number of parts that I want you to see this morning, and, and I don't have the time, but I'd love to really dig down deep with you. Maybe we'll do this sometime in the future. But I want you to follow, as I said, the logic of the Scriptures. In a little while, I'm going to read to you a number of passages, and I hope you get what I'm aiming at. God promised to make of Abraham a great nation. A great nation. Now, who was that nation? You tell me. Israel, that's right. Wonderful church, wonderful church. God promised to bless Abraham. God promised to make Abraham's name great. God promised to bless those who blessed Abraham and to curse all those who dishonored Abraham. A very important part of the promise. A very, 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 very important part of the promise is this. Of course, it's all important. But I want you to hear this because it gets to where we are. God promised in Abraham. In Abraham. We have some Baptists in here this morning. I'm going to say it again. In Abraham, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Amen. What does the word blessing mean here in Genesis chapter 12? What does it mean to bless? What's God talking about? What's he getting at? And God is getting at this. In this context, to bless means to, go, to do good to another. To cause another to flourish in what is right, in what is righteous, in what is good. It is to bring about the good rather than evil. 
God promises to do good things for Abraham. Well, you all, Abraham is extremely important for the church to know. It's important for you to know who he was, especially we worship as a particular denomination, Presbyterians, and, and there's a reason for that. It has a lot to do with Abraham. God promised Abraham good things. God promised to make these good things happen through Abraham and through his lineage, through his children and the rest of his descendants. From Abraham comes the people of Israel, who you read all about in the Old Testament, who later become the nation of Israel. And they have the great King David. They are the first called out ones. Anytime in the Old Testament you see the word congregation, or in the New Testament, you see the word church. It means the same thing. The assembly, the called out ones gathered together in a group. In Genesis chapter 15 and 17, God makes a covenant. He makes a covenant with Abraham. He binds himself to Abraham in an incredibly special way. In Genesis 17, verses 1 to 8, hear the words of the Lord. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, the Lord appeared to Abram, and he said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Now remember, how old is Abraham? Ninety-nine years old. He's an old man. And God says, I'm going to multiply you greatly. Now we don't see things like that in our world today, do we? Although I did read the other day, some, a, a woman who was 67, I think, had a baby. Amen. She and her husband. Then Abram fell on his face. God said to Abram, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I, God, have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, countries, states, peoples, and kings. Kings shall come from you. Here's a man who lives in tents. <laughs> Kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you 
to be God to you and to your offspring after you. Should I say that again? To be God to you and to your offspring after you. That's why we're Presbyterians, you all. That's why we practice infant baptism in case anybody was wondering. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, the land where I'll show you, the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession. And I will be their God. God promised to give Abraham a lot of things. And here he promises to give one to be God to him and to his descendants after him, but he also promises to give him the land, the land where he would show him in Genesis chapter 12 and verse 7. I'm going to focus here on the land for a little bit and the people in it. God promised to give the land of the Canaanites to Abraham, the land of the Canaanites. Now, there's some other people there, but they sort of summarize it here with the Canaanites. There was the Girgashites, the the, the parasites, the, not parasites, the, it starts with a P. <laughs> I think it's the parabites. Anyway, the, the, the Hivites, it's a bunch of different peoples. <laughs> they were parasites now, they were. Um, God sent Abraham into the land of the Canaanites, which in the book of Hebrews it says was the land of promise. It's the land of promise because God says, I'm going to give this land to you and to your descendants after you. Now, this land belonged to some other people first. Well, who were these Canaanites? Wait, 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 let me go back. God sent Abraham's descendants, a people whom God called a royal priesthood. He says this under Moses. A royal priesthood, a holy nation. It means a set-apart people a people for God's own possession. God sent these who are Abraham's descendants. He sends them down into the land of promise. He sends them down into the land of the Canaanites. Who were they? What does the Bible teach about the nations in regard to the land of promise? At this time, in the the time of Abraham, and all the way up through the time of Joshua, Well, very simply, the Canaanites and the other nations in the land of promise served other gods. They served other gods. They acted in ways that were detestable to the Lord. We read of them worshiping the sky. Worshipping fertility gods and goddesses that were not real. We read of them offering their children, infants, on burning altars. We read of them engaging in immoral, sexual activity. We read of them in regards to darkness, a devaluing of 
the human identity. A degeneration of what it means to be human. And the Lord sends his special people into the land of the Canaanite. I'm giving it to your people. By Joshua, the Lord sent his people to conquer the other nations in the land of promise. And they did do some conquering, but actually something else happened. As you get through the end of Joshua and you get into the book of Judges, something else happened. In Judges chapter 3, verses 3 to 8, we read, These are the nations, the five lords of the Philistines, and all the Canaanites, and the Sidonians, and the Hivites who lived on Mount Lebanon. From Mount Baal Hermon, as far as Lebo Hamath. God told Israel when they went into the land to destroy all those people. They were for the testing of Israel. These are people they didn't destroy. Now God, I'll say, God, God was making a major statement at this point in time. God wanted his people to know you are different. You're set apart. They didn't obey as God commanded, and so these peoples are left. These people who worship other gods. They were left for the testing of Israel to know whether Israel would obey the commandments of the Lord, which he commanded their fathers by the hand of Moses. So the people of Israel lived among the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. The Jebusites particularly lived in Jerusalem. And their daughters took the, and their daughters they took to themselves for wives. And their own daughters they gave to their sons. And this is a tragic statement. And they served their gods. And they served their gods. And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. They forgot the Lord their God. And served the Baals and the Ashtaroth. The Asheroth. They forgot the Lord their God. And served the Baals and the Asheroth. Therefore the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And he sold them into the hand of Cushan Rishathaim, king of Mesopotamia. And the people of Israel served Cushan Rishathaim eight years. And thus begins the cycle of disobeying God and worshiping the gods of the peoples around them. Many, many, many times Abraham's descendants forgot about God 
and his promises as well as their purpose from God. It leads to the third and the last thing I want to share with you this morning. God's purpose. God's purpose. Terrence, where are you going? God wanted Abraham to be a blessing. God wanted Abraham to be a blessing. A blessing to the nations, to all the peoples of the earth throughout the ages of time. God wants Abraham's, and that's present tense, God wants Abraham's descendants to be a blessing to the nations. Who are the descendants of Abraham? Now follow with me. Who are Abraham's descendants? I want you to take a Bible journey with me. Abraham's descendants are both physical and spiritual. Abraham's descendants are both physical and spiritual, meaning biological and spiritual, but the spiritual descendants of Abraham, the spiritual children of Abraham matter the most in the light of eternity. Never forget that. Never, ever, ever forget that. The children, the spiritual children of Abraham, they are who matter throughout the ages of time and into eternity. They will live forever with God through Christ, their King. The church begins with Abraham. God did what to Abraham? He called him out, didn't he? He called him out. He called him out of a pagan lifestyle set him out on a different path, a life of faith. The church begins with Abraham. Listen to the Apostle Paul in Romans and in Galatians, and here's where I want you to follow these scriptures. In Romans chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, he's speaking of Abraham. He received the sign of circumcision, which had to do with the covenant God had made with him. Abraham received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith, trusting, resting on God's word, while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who would believe without being circumcised. I hope you heard that. The purpose was to make Abraham the father. I'll make of you the father of a multitude of what? Nations. The purpose was to make Abraham the father of all who would believe without being circumcised so that righteousness would be counted to them as well through faith and to make Abraham the father of the circumcised who were not merely circumcised, but who also walk in the faith, the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. 
in the book of Romans, you don't learn this until the last several chapters, Paul is writing to both Greek and Jew to tell them they're one in Christ. Here, he makes a case for why that's so. There's only one way you get to heaven, (laughs) y'all, and that's through faith. Galatians chapter 3, verses 7 to 9. Know then that it is those of faith trusting, resting in what God says. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons, and I'll say daughters, of Abraham. And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles, how? By faith, trusting, resting upon what? His Word. Seeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, the Scripture preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. In you shall all the nations be blessed. Where'd that come from? Genesis chapter 12 and verse 3. In you, Abraham, shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Galatians 3, verses 13 and 14. Paul brings Christ into the picture. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that, that's in the Bible for this reason, Christ, so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. So that the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive, we might receive the promised spirit. How? Through faith, trusting. Resting on the word of God. God made a promise to Abraham. God speaking in the Old Testament is the word of God speaking. Second person in the Trinity. In the New Testament, we know him as who? Jesus. Jesus speaking to Abraham. I'm going to do something in you and through you. Paul says, Jesus was cursed He became a curse for us so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Galatians chapter 3, verse 22, but the scripture imprisoned everything under sin so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Galatians 3, verses 26 to 29. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons and daughters of God. In Christ Jesus, through faith. The same way Abraham became a Christian is the same way you become a Christian. Through faith in what God says. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. 
if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. What I left out is when God was telling back in the Old Testament that Abraham was going to have an offspring, and God's going to bless through that offspring, that offspring is Jesus. And in order for you to have the faith of Abraham, you, like Abraham, have to have faith in Jesus. The Word of God spoken, written, and in heaven. Hallelujah. Now you know who the true descendants of Abraham are. And now you're going to find out what this has to do with you, sons and daughters of faith. That's who I'm talking to. What is God's purpose then for Abraham's descendants? Look with me, if you will, at Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 to 16. Jesus is talking. Matthew 5, it's there in your bulletin, 14 to 16. What does Jesus say? He's teaching. He says, you are the light of the world. Who is he talking to? His disciples, the people who are following him, listening to his words, listening keenly to his words, not their agenda, but his agenda. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. But on a stand, like these lights around the sanctuary here, what are they doing? What are they doing? They're on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Church of the Atonement, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Both the collective church and you as individual disciples of Jesus. Both the church gathered and the church scattered. On Sundays, we're the church gathered. Monday through Saturday, we're the church scattered. You are the light of Christ in the world. If you believe in Jesus, and that's what you, you, you're saying to me, right? That's why you're in here this morning. You're not in here on your own agenda. You're in here because you said, I have surrendered to the Lord Jesus. And his agenda is what matters. And his agenda is you are the light, not the darkness. You are the light of the world. Jesus sends you into the world to radiate the reality of Jesus Christ, which is light. It is light shining into the darkness of the pagan world that we live in. Abraham's descendants are the light of the world. You represent truth from error in your family, in your neighborhood, on your job, and all throughout the civilized world. You represent truth. The world has a major enemy. Did you know that? The world has a major enemy. You have a major enemy. And his name is Satan. In Hebrew, it says Hasatan. He is the adversary. He is the adversary. Jesus says that he comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. Don't ever be about the devil's agenda, especially in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? All right now. He seeks to destroy God's creation. He and the powers of darkness seek to destroy you. This is the world we live in. 
But the Bible says it's God's world. <laughs> it's not their world. You represent the light of what is right versus what is wrong. God has chosen you to live out and to demonstrate God's truth in the land of Canaan, in the land of the United States, in Africa, in Mexico, in the Middle East, in South America, in Europe, in Asia. God has sent you, sons and daughters of Abraham, by faith through the Lord Jesus Christ, into darkness. Why? You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. But you cannot shine if you do not have faith in God like Father Abraham. I'm going to read a, a quote from R.C. Sproul's book, Life Views, and I end with this. Some people believe that there is no God. Others say that there are many gods. Some folks believe that man is supreme. Others believe that man is worthless. Many people believe there is a God, but they live as if there were no God. Still others ask, what difference does it make? That's asked both in and out of the church. Listen, where Christ is invisible, people perish. Where Christ is invisible, people perish. Where his reign is unknown or ignored, people are exploited. They are demeaned. They are enslaved. They are butchered. They are aborted. They are raped. They are casualties of war. They are robbed. They are slandered. They are oppressed. They are cheated in marriage. They are cheated in their wages. They're left to go hungry, naked, and unsheltered. They are consigned to loneliness. They are ridiculed. They are frightened. That and a whole lot more is what difference it makes. In all of life's situations, we are to be his witnesses. Our job is to make the invisible reign of Jesus visible. You are the light of the world. Let us pray. Our Father and our God, I pray in earnest that you cause your word to sink down deep in these, your people, Jesus, you are our king, and you entered this world as a servant. You didn't come to conquer as the Jews of that day thought the Messiah would conquer. You came and you served, and you laid down your life. You call your church to shine the light of Jesus in the world. And I pray, O oh God, we would do just that. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen.